You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.weareredwood.org. We pray that the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans 1. We're going to kind of be all over the place this morning. Some verses I'll just read rather than having you turn. But we are continuing in our series on fighting for purity in an impure world, which it's simply a, uh, it's simply a study on our conscience and all of the, uh, just kind of all of the facets of that. I don't know how many uh, more weeks will be in this. Um, I've still have some more uh, material that I'd like to, um, that I'd like to deliver and, and, and study upon. But this morning we're going to talk about how to clear your conscience, clearing your conscience. It can be so easy in our daily lives to forget how destructive sin can be, not just in terms of eternity. Obviously, sin uh, separated us from God, and if that's not dealt with in the person of Christ, then that individual is going to spend eternity in hell. But it's, it's more than just the destruction that leads to eternity in hell, but it also has massive implications and effects in our daily lives. And you and I, we've seen plenty of examples, maybe even our own life, but we've seen examples of how unaddressed sin routinely destroys families. Unaddressed sin destroys friendships. It can destroy even careers. But unaddressed sin also has devastating internal results, like robbing you of your joy, robbing you of your assurance. Try in your mind to remember of maybe an unaddressed sin in your life. Maybe it's something that only you know about, only or maybe even only a few people know about, or whatever the case is. And it, it sometimes can, it can sometimes rob you of, of, of who you are. It can, it can rob you of your assurance of your salvation. Have you ever, you, know, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever like felt unsaved, meaning like, man, there's no way. You know why? Because what happens is, is that that sin um, the sin, it, it doesn't separate us from God again because we know that we have Christ in us and the real us and, and John did such a beautiful job in you know, depicting that once again uh, during our revival. But there's, but there's that mental, that, there's that emotional side of things. And that's why David said in Psalm 51, he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because what can happen is that sometimes we can, uh, we can distance ourselves and we can feel, uh, you know, uh, Unsaved, or that God doesn't love us, and those different types of things. And so, unchecked, unaddressed sin has all kinds of consequences. All kinds of consequences in our lives. It it really stifles your spiritual growth, and it distances you from the fellowship of God's people. I've just seen it enough in my own life, and I've seen it enough in ministering for these years that when sin creeps into people's lives, they tend to, and I have, distanced themselves and myself from the fellowship of God. 
and the, 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 the people of God. And so uh, these are some of the things that happens. But you know what also unchecked and unaddressed sin does? It pollutes and ruins your conscience. It's possibly, it is possibly to, excuse me, it is possible to virtually nullify the conscience through repeated abuse. Paul spoke of people whose conscience were so, um, they were so corrupted, they were so neglected that they literally gloried in their shame. Paul said in Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, of where they get to the point where they're literally glorying in what you and I would call a shame. Don't we see that in our world today? For sure we see that in our world. But I think that it creeps even, even into our lives, maybe not in the level of what lost, regenerate mankind is like, but we can almost glory in the shame of our sin. But look at Romans 1. Look at verse number 32. Romans 1 is, uh, Paul is kind of depicting what the unregenerate, rejecting of God, worshiping the creature more than the creator. But look at verse number 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, they that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. In other words, they, they know. Why? Because they have the moral code from a moral lawgiver that it goes against that conscience. Now, obviously, that conscience can be so nullified that it no longer works in this type of way, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, and we have in the last weeks. But they actually have pleasure in the type of sin. And so you and I, we've, we've got to be careful that we don't have unaddressed, unchecked sins in our lives. Both the mind and the conscience can become so defiled that they cease making distinctions between what is pure and what is impure. Paul wrote in Titus, we've looked at this verse before, unto the pure, all things are pure. But then Paul says, but unto the defiled is nothing pure. Right? And Isaiah spoke of a day when, you know, people would call right wrong and wrong right. And he said, you know, woe unto them that do that. But what Paul is saying is is that to the pure, to those that have a clear and clean conscience, man, you you understand it. It's pure. You live in a pure life. But when your conscience and when your heart becomes defiled, when it becomes unchecked, when it is no longer being listened to, which we've talked about in weeks past, what happens is is we just live in impurity. And it is um, it, it it becomes well nothing is pure. It just doesn't matter. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna live in this way. And Paul goes on to say, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. And so after so much violation the conscience finally will fall silent. Morally, those with defiled consciences, they're left flying completely blind because they've nullified it so much. It's, begun, it's become so unchecked 
in their life, their sins, that the warning signals seemingly are gone. They can do things that shock us, that we would say there's such shame in that, yet they can just do it. They can say things and act in ways that are just, they're to, to the pure. It's like, whoa, you know, this is, this is not, uh, th- th- this is not good. But the danger is that not only does the warning signal stop, but they become in a far greater danger. Because here's why. Even the most defiled conscience, it will not remain silent forever. Look at chapter 2 of Romans. See, what's going to happen is, is that lost man is going is to stand before God someday and they will have nullified their conscience so much, the warning signals are gone. And listen, that is a horrible place to be. Because they're going to go through life and they're going to just continue down that path. And, you know, apart from someone like you, someone like me, that would consider, you know, we're believers, we're hopefully on the track for a pure conscience and a pure heart, we can come and we say, hey, no, 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 don't go down that path. But if they're not willing to listen, which we know people are not willing to listen at times, their conscience seems to be totally no longer speaking to them because they've nullified it to that point. And, but the problem is, is that at some point, their conscience before the righteous judge is going to speak. It's going to let them know. And the worst sin-hardened person is going to discover before the throne of God that his conscience is going to testify against him. Look at verse 15 of Romans 2. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. John said in 1 John 3, for if our heart condemn us, it literally can... If our conscience, if it condemn us. And so, at some point, the heart, the, the, the conscience that's been so defiled that it's not, it's not clear, it's not, it's not working properly, what will happen is, is it stops working, but that's actually a horrible place to be because ultimately it is going to work against that person. And so as a Christian, you and I, we have a duty to guard the purity of our regenerated heart. You and I, we're to guard the regenerated conscience. You and I, we now have the Holy Spirit of God that moved inside of us, right? We learned so much about that during the revival. And you and I, we're to let Him live through our lives and we're to guard it. And Paul had much to say about this. Um, when Paul was coming to uh, before the council in Acts chapter number 23, he talks about, he's saying, hey, men and brethren, he said, I've done everything I can. I've, I, I've tried so diligently to have a good conscience before God. He said in Acts 24, verse 16, and herein do I exercise myself, or I, I, I try to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Turn to 1 Timothy, please. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. You and I, it's our duty to keep a clear
clear, pure, good conscience. 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Look down to verse 18. This charge... I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, with some which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. In other words, you and I, we're, hey, we're supposed to be working at this thing. We're commanding. He's commanding Timothy. Hey, hey, I want you to, I want, I want you to work at this. Some, they're going to put this away. Some are going to take their faith. Some are going to not worry about this, and they're going to become a shipwreck. They're just going to fall. They're going to, you know, they're they're they're, they're going to stumble into sin. But in 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers. Night and day. One of the qualifications of a deacon in uh, in First Timothy is to have a pure conscience, to hold the faith in pure conscience. So a pure conscience or a clear conscience, the way that I uh, titled it, is essential not only for what it does for yourself. Man, it just gives you such great assurance. It just and you're just you you you're in tune with the new master within you, right? John talked heavily about that this week. You, you you're in tune with the new master. You're in tune with Jesus Christ's spirit within you, and you're not listening to the flesh. That brings such assurance as you live your life that you're doing so in a way that is exactly the way God would want you to. But not only is it benefits for yourself, a clean, pure good, godly conscience, it is also what it does for others and what it says to others. A sound conscience is the heart of a strong testimony for Christ. Paul frequently would, would point to this conscience as a witness. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, our lifestyle, so to speak, the way we lived in the world, and more abundantly to you, word. In other words, we've, we've lived in the world, we've lived as a testimony to the world as having a good and clear and godly conscience. See, if you and I are wondering, hmm, yeah, man, should I be doing this? Or we're dabbling in things that our conscience and, and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. Guess what? We're going to have a hard time saying, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. But when you and I have a good, clear, strong, healthy, vibrant conscience, then you and I are going to be able to be a great testimony to the world. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 4.2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, 
not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so it benefits you heavily, but it also benefits others for you and I to be continually working at this, to making sure that we are, going back to several weeks ago, to make sure that our conscience is is being sharpened by the Word of God, that our conscience is being strengthened by the Word of God, that we talked about this too, that the standard of our conscience is the Word of God. That's what, you're, that's what you should be sharpening your conscience with, is the Word of God. It ought to be your standard. It shouldn't be society. It shouldn't be what, just simply what our friends think. It ought to be the Word of God. We ought to be going to certain things. Um, I, have, I, I said this heavily on our, on our Wednesday night um, when we tend to dive in a little bit deeper and we have more discussion you know, about these things, it's that people in our society are doing and saying and murdering babies and all the different types of things that are going on because they, their conscience isn't sharpened to the standard of the Word of God. And we can go on to all different types of things. Gender, transgender, marriage between a man and a woman. The things that like seem to be just so prevalent and such a hot topic in our society. But when we come to the Word of God and we allow our conscience to be aligned uh, with the Word of God, listen, it, it, it impacts you and then it will impact others. Because it will be a testimony to others. Well, why do you live a certain way? Well, why are you? Well, you have opportunities. It becomes a testimony to the people that are around us. Peter also wrote about the value of a pure conscience. In 1 Peter 3.16, it says, Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ or your good lifestyle in Christ. See, listen, when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and your conscience is in line with the Word of God, listen, the world can look at you and they can say all things about you, but you're okay. They can falsely accuse you. They can say, I mean, you're a bunch of weirdos. Whatever they, you know, whatever they'll say. But when you know in a good spirit you're taking the right stand on the Word of God, you can allow those accusations to just go off you. It's not an arrogance. You're just you're thankful for how you've how you've shaped your conscience to the word of God. So a clear, potent conscience is a vital part of your spiritual growth and your witness to others. To work properly, it cannot be hindered or corrupted by unchecked sin and unaddressed guilt. It's not weighed down by the impurities or a uh, the, the, the dulled by neglect. In a word, it's clear. It's a clear conscience. But how can we keep our consciences clear? Let me, I just want to, you know, how, do, how should you and I properly respond to feelings of guilt in a way that keeps our conscience soft and sharp in the things that we've talked about in the past? 
Let me give you a couple practical principles that you can keep in mind. Number one, how can I how can I keep my conscience clear? So if I've sharpened it on the standard of the Word of God and I'm strengthening it, we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a moment, and I'm doing those types of things, how, how do I keep it that way? You know, maybe God's been working on you, the Holy Spirit, you're, you, you're in tune with Him. How do, you, how do you keep it clear? Let me give you some practical things. Number one, acknowledge and forsake known sin. Acknowledge it and forsake known sin. Turn to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Examine your feelings of guilt in the light of Scripture. Now remember, from a couple weeks ago, if someone's stronger stand is in an area where you might not be able to go to clear-cut scriptures and you, let's use this way, you, you live in a little bit more liberty in a certain area. Remember what we've learned from two weeks ago. You and I should not allow that person and the way that they live bring guilt into your life. We looked at texts about that. Paul's like, you don't need to worry about that. So, but when you do feel guilty, what should you do? You should, you should look at those emotions. You should look at what is going on in your life in the light of Scripture. Deal with sin that God's Word reveals. Look at verse number 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And so listen, if you are examining your heart, it's not my job to examine your heart and you stay out of mine, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We can, we can help each other. But what I mean is it's not my job. I don't know what's going on. And so when you and I are being open and honest with the Lord, if He reveals something in your life and He's saying, hey, hey, no, that is a, that is a known sin, don't cover it up. Don't go unchecked. Don't, don't not address that. Why? Because you are moving quickly away from a clear conscience to where you will then be defiling it. Now, it doesn't just get defiled like that, but it's uncheck after uncheck after uncheck. Then ultimately, things that were pure, eh, it doesn't matter anymore, And now we're just living in impurity. And if we're not careful, then we can get to the real super dangerous place where we glory in that shame. We glory in that sin. And so you and I, we should should be willing to confess, to, to acknowledge those sins before God and then ultimately to forsake them. Praise God what John, 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you and I, if we've, if we've done something wrong to someone else, we should go to them and we should ask for forgiveness. We should, we should confess that to them. And so when it's, when it's transactional with people, you and I, we're commanded in Scripture to go make that right. But oftentimes what we often forget is we don't always make it right this way. 
And so we want to we want to make things right transactionally, you know, between people and things like that. But uh, but but you and I we should we should go to the Lord. And in Psalm 32 verse 5, David wrote, "I acknowledged my sin unto Thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid." I said, "I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin." Selah. And so, definitely. Ask uh, for forgiveness, and meaning just acknowledging your sin. I'm thankful that we are forgiven one time in Christ. Jesus Christ died and He paid for our past, present, future sins, all of that. But you and I, as we're walking in the Spirit, you're acknowledging, you are, you are confessing in a sense of, man, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. And as you do that, don't, don't just let it go unchecked. Instead, bring it before the Lord. Turn to Matthew 5. Real quick, please. Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in verse 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there, mean at the altar, Rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, you've got an issue with someone else, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. And so even Jesus said, hey, no, no, you need to make sure you're right with people too. And you know, you go to that person and you reconcile. Whenever, whenever there's aught, that's such an old English word, whenever there's an issue, whenever there's a problem, all right, with someone be humble enough to, to go. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, He's like, listen, you know, we want to, you know, we want to give the appearances of worship, but listen, this is this isn't really going anywhere because you've got known stuff. What Jesus says here, and and you remember, all right. So it's like the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind. Go deal with it. Go deal with it. And it just restores just wonderful worship back with the Lord. And so, so, so deal with things. Don't, don't just let it go unchecked. Don't just let it fester. Number two, how do we keep it clear? All right, we, we're working on getting it clear, on sharpening it and strengthening it. So now keeping it clear is very important. And how do you do that? Well, having a real walk. Man, as you, as you sin and as you do wrong with people and with God, you fix those things. Number two, educate your conscience. Turn to 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8. Educate it. And we've been doing that. That's what this series really is all about. Educate your conscience. As we've discussed previously, a weak easily grieved conscience results from a lack of spiritual knowledge. It's the result of that. Look at verse number 7, 1 Corinthians 8. If I told you 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 7. How be it there is not in every man that knowledge. What is what, what, what was Paul talking about? It's this whole meats offered unto idols. That's the discussion. And so some say, hey, I can't eat that. And some say, hey, I can't eat that because God said you could eat that. But Paul is saying here, howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. Remember, that's the weaker brother. We talked about that. For some with conscience of the idol 
unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Jesus said that is a weak conscience. That is the weak brother. Again, everybody that would have been saved out of Corinth, they all would have been idolaters prior to that, as we were. Just it looked differently, right? You, you and I might not have had little little statues that we burn things to, but prior to our salvation, we were the gods of our own hearts. Okay, and Jesus, praise God, radically changes that. But all of those people, they would have remembered, hey, no, 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 we would have had these burnt offerings, these sacrifices unto whatever their umped gods was that, 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 they, that they worshipped. And so to them, that meat brought back that religious practice that they learned was not biblical, was not necessary, it was just vain oblations, and then that would have been to the Jews, but then even those that would have been to some unknown God, that would have been sheer wickedness. And so some of them would be like, no, I can't, I can't do that. And so here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that that, that, is, the, that is the weaker conscience, that is the weaker brother, that is the weaker Christian, so to speak, and so he's saying, hey, hey, listen, that needs to that needs to change. I think two weeks ago I gave the illustration of like it's okay to be weak. I I apologize if I did that. I think what I was trying to do is such a heavy topic, touchy topic about certain things that we talked about a few weeks ago, um, and I was trying to more educate on who the strong Christian is and who the weak Christian is, oftentimes we flip-flop those and we think the person that has all of the rules and all the standards, that's the strong person. Actually not. That is the weaker one. Okay, remember the illustration of, okay, the sidewalk is where sin is. Grass is a fair game. All right? If I am a strong Christian, I know, hey, I'm not going to step on the sidewalk. But hey, if someone needs to put a fence there to help them not step on the sidewalk because they have for so many decades walked on the sidewalk, what I was trying to say is that's, that's okay in a sense, but now we're trying to grow beyond that to where we need to educate our conscience because it is weak. Now let me say this. If your conscience is too easily wounded, do not violate it. Because to do so would be sin. Look at verse number 12. But when ye sin, do so against. The, but but when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Now understand, this is specifically talking to the to the stronger to the stronger Christian. But the implication would be, if you are even causing that person now to sin. So you invite somebody over and say, hey, let's just have this meat. And they partake of that, even though they could partake of that, but they have a weak conscience, and you're making them sin in their mind. Paul is saying to the stronger Christian, hey, you need to be careful of that because you're also sinning against Christ because you're making that person sin. And so the implication would be here that, that, that you and I don't violate it. Educate it. Educate your conscience. Don't violate it. So two weeks ago, I probably gave the implication that it's okay to remain weak. It's not okay to remain weak. But weak, 
Don't be judging the strong. And strong, do not be judging the weak. But you do want to get a strong, mature, thriving conscience. So it needs to be educated. But here's what we need to know. There's grace both ways. Amen? As we are dealing with people, there is grace both ways. But I didn't want to, I think a couple weeks ago I was like, but it's okay. I think I said that, you know. Yes, in that moment it is okay, but it needs to be educated. And how does it get educated? To the standard of the Word of God. All right? So this is our, this is our sharpening tool. It's the Word of God. And so, the illustration that we used last week, or a couple weeks ago, I think was, my brain's a little fuzzy right now, was that if somebody grew up in like a, in an atmosphere where, you know, I mean, mom and dad, they were getting drunk, they're always in bars and things like that, and so now they become a believer and they're like, hey, I'm going to abstain from that. And, and, and I get that. But where we educate our conscience is, is that in and of itself, a restaurant that has got a bar isn't, you know, isn't like some people are like, hey, I'm not even going to go to a restaurant if it, you know, if it's kind of known for a bar. These are touchy topics that we've talked about. And so the educated conscience would be, no, I can go in there, right? But you are not going to, you're not going to get drunk. You're not going to do, so those types of things. So listen, that's where an educated conscience is saying, all right, I'm not going to judge somebody that goes into, you know, um, the office, which is right down here on Redwood City. Have you ever eaten at the office? No? Pretty cool place, right? All right, yeah, I'm not going to judge someone for going in there. All right, but where we're going to draw the line is, man, you, you know, you're drunk and all those different types of things, then you and I, that's where the conscience can be sharpened and it can be educated. All right, and so with these gray areas, there's, there's grace that's given, but we want to be educated in the way that um, is immersed in God's Word so it begins to function with reliable data, so to speak. All right? Moving on. We okay? So we do want to mature in our knowledge and in the Word of God. So a weak conscience isn't in and of itself okay. At that very moment, we're going to be gracious with that person. It's going to be okay in that moment, but we're hoping that that conscience will ultimately begin to be, um, begin to be educated. So there's known sin in your life, Holy Spirit. How do you keep it clear? Man, deal with it. You've got feelings that are guilt that are coming. Deal with it. Don't, don't cover it. You've got feelings of guilt for things that you shouldn't have feelings of guilt for. That was point number two. Educate the conscience. You're feeling those guilty feelings because it is a weak conscience that isn't fully in line with the Word of God. Okay, number three. We're all right? Number three. Okay. Do not tolerate a grieved conscience. Don't tolerate it. Paul said that he did his very best to maintain always a blameless conscience before God and before men. See, some people put off dealing with their guilt, 
thinking that their conscience is going to clear itself in time, and it does not. It continues to fester. Procrastination allows the guilt to just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that in turn generates depression, anxiety, and other emotional problems. Feelings of guilt may persist long after the offense is forgotten, often spilling over to other areas of our lives. And that is one reason people often feel guilty and they're not even sure why. And it's because they've not dealt with something. They've not dealt with a known area. That's what we're talking about, a known, clear-cut area that God's saying, hey, no, 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 work on this, work on this. Don't just go unchecked with it. Allow the Lord to work in your life. Confused guilt may be a symptom that is some, that, that something is terribly wrong spiritually. Paul might have had that on his mind when he was referencing that unto the defiled is nothing pure. Just begins to nothing becomes pure. Nothing, it, it just it just begins to affect everything. Paul might have had that on his mind. I don't know. But dealing with wounded dealing with a wounded conscience immediately by heart searching prayer before God is the only way to keep it clear. It's the only way to keep it sensitive. If all of a sudden you have these you know just these emotions of of guilt, man, I'm doing wrong. Hey, listen, right in that moment, take some time, heart check. Begin to talk to the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to, 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 to work in your life and those different types of things. Putting off dealing with guilt inevitably just simply compounds the problem. So lingering, unaddressed sin is a cancer to the believer. It cripples your spiritual growth and it stifles your usefulness. And so once your conscience has identified sin in your life, you need to move quickly to deal with it biblically and thoroughly. And that's what we're going to pick up next week. How do you how do you begin to deal with it? So now we've we know the standard, we're sharpening it to the standard, and we strengthen it in the Word of God. It begins to be educated in the Word of God, and our conscience is clear. We want to keep it clear. Well, the way to keep it clear is to have regular checkups, listening to the conscience, Holy Spirit in your life saying, No, 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 listening to it, obeying it communicating with God, and then when God says, eh, then what do you do with that? You begin to work on that sin. That's where we're going to head uh, next week. How do, we, how do we clean it up? So we you know, clear it, but once it's been cleared and then some junk gets in there, what are some processes that we can clean our conscience with? And so hopefully uh, it will be a blessing as we continue through our, excuse me, through our uh, series on our conscience. Let's pray. Lord, we-